Hey nerdlings, this is Sarah Ashley. If I may interrupt your podcast listening for just a minute, I would really like to talk to you guys about Nerdonomy.com. That's our website. If you guys haven't been to it already, you should really go check it out. We have a page where you can just meet the nerds. We have a blog where we have all of our original content that we write when we're not recording. And we also have listener feedback. So if you guys really want to go ahead and talk to us, see what we have to offer, or even maybe make a nice healthy donation at our merch station, then you can please do so at Nerdonomy.com. All right, and now enjoy your podcast. You're listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, David McGuire, and Sarah Ashley. So I saw a topic thread on Reddit the other day that I thought was rather thought-provoking. Do share, please. And after skimming through it, um, some of the responses, which were really, really funny, and I hope not to necessarily steal any of those, but okay. um, the question is, what superhero would have the most awkward sex life? Oh, man. I'm thinking about this. I need to take some time on this one. Oh, okay. damn. All right, so I, I have to start it off with this, not just because you're here, Brian, but Superman. Mm-hmm. Why? He's, he's faster than a speeding bullet. Ooh, so, bad. So, when you think about it, when he climaxes, um, unfortunately, that may cause several layers of penetration issues. There. It would go out her spine. It would. It would shoot up. So, you're talking about the, this is the Kevin Smith theory, that he blows a load like a shotgun through it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately. Because, think about it. Yeah. I feel so dirty saying that. My, I keep remembering... It's moments like that where I think, oh, my parents listen to this podcast. Right. Oh, I'm so sorry. Mr. and Mrs. Moriarty, I do apologize. Don't apologize. They love this kind of humor. Oh, okay, good. In I that just, case, I just, feel dirty. I just feel dirty with me saying it to them okay. indirectly. All right, well then... Um, do you, don't you think it'd be kind of unfortunate for a rogue? Oh, oh rogue, yeah, because she can't. The moment so, anything touches her, so would that die. make Oh, God, this is so fun. A lot of necrophilia? I was just about to say that. Does that make her a necrophiliac? Well, probably not intentionally. I think oh. being a necrophiliac means that you actually enjoy it. The only way she could do it is if it was... If a female it, condom. Maybe, sure. But, <laughs> I mean... You, but, like, a full bodysuit. That's oh, yeah, so that's uninteresting. Right. To me, I would think it'd be another mutant who has the same power as her. Right. Hmm. Or mm-hmm. somebody who has a, somebody who oh, has a healing oh. power. What? So somebody who has a healing power, because if she's absorbing so their Wolverine. power, and then she's just going through and then rehealing them, and it's just like so a... It would she have could to be conceivably dead. have... Or it's very tiring, I'd She imagine. could conceivably have sex with Sebastian Shaw, because he absorbs energy and oh. reflects it outward. That's true. All right, so here's another one. Colossus. Colossus turns into a completely titanium metal man, so... But he has control over it, though. He's not going to do it while he's having sex. All right, so think Dang. about it. So... I mean, thing, all right. So thing, I don't think he's got anything down there, unfortunately. So that's pretty awkward. Yeah. So just to get back to Colossus for a moment. Sorry. So when he climaxes, do you think it is organic matter or metal matter? In which case, I feel so sorry for the uh, receiving end of that. Yeah. <laughs> define organic, because scientists define organic as containing carbon, and steel does contain uh, carbon. All right, fine. So, uh, all right. Would it be protein-based? <laughs> All right. Does wow. All right. So, all right. In nature. All, right. <laughs> all right. So how about this? Sperm is teeny tiny little things that actually swim. What I'm thinking of is with Colossus, would it be little teeny tiny bits of metal that are just being flung, projectiled? 
That's awful. Or, See exactly. Or does the sp- like can the sperm like coat them so they're like living, moving things, but oh. they're just metal. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's even more terrifying. Oh my oh god! God, yeah. Destroy that egg. Or or whatever is receiving it. <laughs> yes. The bum, <laughs> the mouth, or the eggs. <laughs> would destroy those tonsils. <laughs> Talk about a tonsillectomy. <laughs> Jesus. Talk about getting some new fillings. Oh my god! Ew. Oh my god! I think we this might need to cut the, that. Yeah, this is the furthest we've ever taken the podcast. Oh no! Explicit. This is why we say we are explicit. I feel dirty recommending this to my customers I work with, my clients I work with. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, no. so. You say Superman, huh? Uh, rogue, rogue. Okay, I can see. I can definitely see Rogue being a, an issue. Colossus. Woman. Colossus has control over his power, so that's less awkward. I think Rogue has no control over her power. That makes it worse. By the way, I do want to apologize that I took Superman from you. That's okay. I wasn't going to use Superman because Superman's a cop out. Ooh, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Invisible so. woman. <laughs> Because it, the, the, it, then you just got to feel like, you so know, if... Wait, it, are we talking Mrs. Fantastic then? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, like, you got to figure out... Sue Storm, yes. Yeah, Sue Storm. If, yeah. if they just want her to be invisible, does that mean that they're just looking to masturbate, but they're sick of their hands? I'm... Or, well, see, whoever... She's a glorified fleshlight, essentially. Well, um, the thing is, with Sue Storm... A glorified fleshlight that has... <laughs> Sue Storm there. can extend her power to anybody who's around her, so she could make them both... If they want to be exhibitionists, they could totally be fucking in public, and no one would ever see them. Oh, oh wait, so she can do that? Okay. Oh my god, there's a, there's a total joke about this entire concept that we're having uh, right now uh, that involves all three, all, all, two of the three. Yes, two of the three of the Superman that we're uh, talking about. And right now, that that joke is escaping me, and I do apologize. I'm probably going to get it back right by the time we're done. So please keep talking. So that was a total setup for nothing. I feel like I wasted my that one minute. G- you, uh, do you think Aquaman's really into fish? No. Ew. Ew. I think Aquaman likes to keep it dirty. He likes to do it on land. Oh, that is filthy. <laughs> so the but, Atlanteans but it is. But that means you know. that his dick would just keep flopping around on land. <laughs> the visual of that is horrifying. It is horrifying. Well, it's almost like erotic asphyxiation because he can't be out of water more than 24 hours. So I think he's on land for 23 hours. Oh, and then he okay. starts to do there it. There you go. And then he, he has to race... Either finishing it so he can run back into the water or else he's going to die. <laughs> Autoerotic <laughs> asphyxiation. That is classy. We are such nerds. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what you got, Brian? Anything? I like what you said before we started recording about Batman because... Oh, uh, that, that one was definitely not mine. That came from Reddit, but it was really funny yeah. where if like Batman's doing it with a chick and then she's like... Oh, yeah, Daddy, do that. And then he just starts crying. <laughs> All right. I found the joke. Are you guys ready? Okay. Go ahead. All right. So it, there's one little twist to it, but I think in the sake of the joke, it's hilarious. All right. One day, Superman is flying all around and is really, really horny. He uh, had a busy day to, ahead of him, so he found, wanted to find a quick way to satisfy his urge. So he oh, turns yes. on his X-ray uh, specs uh, and finds Wonder Woman uh, completely naked, lying on her bed. Superman is... 
thinking, this is great. I'll fly right in there, do my business, and be gone before she even knows it. So Superman blasts in, right on top of Wonder Woman, does the deed at light speed, and is gone into Flash. Wonder Woman, not knowing what happened and what hit her, she's like, whoa, 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 what was that? And Invisible Man says, I don't know, but my ass is sure. It sure is sure. The trouble is there is no Invisible Man. I know, I know, but that's basically the premise of they the They could joke. have just said the shadow, and it would have made total sense, but, you know... That's that's the comic book nerd me yes. dissecting the. I know, of that joke. I know. So you know, but that's that. the joke Speaking I was thinking. Speaking of Flash, of. though, what about the Flash? Uh, again, he has control over his power, though. Okay. If it's someone who has, if it's someone who's super powered, they can't have control over it. Or like, if they get too excited, like I think Bruce Banner. Oh would my be god! Totally oh, oh, oh no! No! Oh, no! It would, hold no, out, it would be no, horrible. No, that would be no, awful. No, no, ripping that person to shreds no. by an erection. He would not. He would not rip them to shreds. No, he would probably already have hulked out at that point. I would no, at the climax. I would think. No, I would think that he'd probably be hulked out just getting excited to like. You okay. Know, like well, right they, they, did, they did kind of hint that in the Incredible Hulk movie when he is making out and the oh, yeah. heartbeat starts. Rising and he has to stop. Yeah. And I don't want to get too him. excited. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, poor Betty Ross. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's not true because she became... Um, She-Hulk? Later on, she became another version of She-Hulk. Not huh. the She-Hulk, okay. but she became... Oh, dude, that She be became some... she Red She-Hulk because um, what ended up happening was General Ross developed a way to become his own version of the Hulk, and his Hulk that he, came, he created was Red. And he found the way to control the transformation. Huh. So both... Red Hulk and Red She-Hulk can transform at will. That would be some super aggro sex. I was just about to say the exact same thing. Imagine them going at it. There you goes would, the hotel would, bed. There goes the hotel. There goes the city that the hotel resided in. And there goes the county. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that would be it. You hear in the news, like, a 9.0 earthquake was started. <laughs> and it lasted for approximately four and a half minutes. <laughs> That sounds about right. Bane. And with that, fo- oh, Bane's not a superhero though; he's a villain. Oh, okay. Are, okay, all right. are we not including villains? Yeah, because the villains are all just too fucked up. Like, I wouldn't want to have sex with any of the supervillains in the comic books. Poison Ivy, except for maybe no, because she would kill you. Yes, she would. She, she used a total Harvey uh, Harley Quinn. Um, Dude, no, 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 no. She would fuck. To- she would fuck you up while she's fucking. You. No, here's she the would thing. want you to put on clown makeup. I'm like, that's too creepy for me. Yeah. Plus, I really have a feeling that she'd be a little like mildly obsessive afterwards if you're really good about it, and then she'd just be kind of like, Mister J, isn't that good? Yeah. <laughs> that was that was Blanche Dubois playing Harley Quinn. <laughs> well, that's what she is in the Batman animated series in '93. That voice, Mister J. Yeah, that's true. Mister J. I just think you went a little Southern Belle at one point. That's all. Uh, a little bit. Well, yeah. at the same time, it's that same voice is in Arkham City and Arkham Asylum yeah. video games. Arlene so. Sorkin. As in related to Aaron Sorkin? No. Oh, that would have no. been awesome. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, so then, let's see. Uh, any other vil- interesting villains right now? I would have the most awkward yeah. sex. Uh, probably the Joker, I would say. I don't even think he has a sex drive. <laughs> probably not. No. Um, oh, 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 oh. Clayface. Which version? Uh, I'm talking about Batman, Clayface. Well, I know, but there's been a few different ones. Oh, okay. All right, so I'll go Clayface, Batman animated series. Are you think, so you're thinking the one who he's the rock? He basically looks the like, thing. like the thing, but he can... Oh, oh, my God, the thing. The thing would have the most awkward sex life. Yeah, we kind of... Because he would be rock hard. Hey-o! Oh, Hey-o! Brian, Brian was saying that he's pretty sure that the thing doesn't have anything. I think he lost that capability. But didn't Family Guy make fun of that? <laughs> it was like... 
Excuse me, is this yours? Oh, thank you, bitch wife. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> or something like that, yeah. And they made a joke about that. That has to do with something else. All right, so okay. so then just let's just wrap this up. Okay. Which superhero would you have sex with? All right, well, I'm, I'm going to say the obvious. Wonder Woman. That lasso of truth. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, so uh, Kevin enjoys being tied up. Got it. <laughs> I do not because I haven't tried it yet. Um, yet being the operative word. Yeah. Wonder Woman, if you're out there. <laughs> She's not. She is a fictional character. <laughs> Way to crush his jeans, Brian. <sighs> My jeans? Dreams. Freudian slip? We need to take that app away from you. Yeah, we did. Brian, who would mind? Well, I want to hear what Sarah's would be. Wolverine. I fucking knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Totally. He might go berserker and like impale you with his claws halfway through, though. He realized that. He did that in his sleep in X2. Yeah. Or X-Men. Yeah. Okay, so PTSD aside. (laughs) (laughs) A hundred years worth of PTSD. But I'm just saying... (laughs) I uh, just uh, just thinks that um, I think that I would like his style. That's, that's all. I'm just gonna leave it at that. All right, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> He's just a little bit more uh, masculine, a little bit more aggressive. Rough. Let me ask you guys. Yes. <laughs> Let me ask you guys. Who do you think I would I would sleep with if it was a comic book character? Uh, Superwoman, because it's not Superman, and the subconscious like of Supergirl. You, even? Or I'm sorry, Supergirl. Yes. Because there is a Superwoman, but she's all right. Yeah. I, I apologize. That was. A mistake on my part. Supergirl. Good guess or no, no. Okay. And you're not going to limit yourself by DC universe, right? I mean, mm. I just know in general you tend to be more partial to DC characters. But that is true. Are you limiting oh. yourself there? I, I totally blocked. In a that. way, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I because uh, from Marvel, I would totally say Jean Grey. For me? Yeah. I could oh, see that. I was going to say Black Widow. Just because you're like a very respectful type guy, so I just feel like you guys can respect each other. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I would say but black. If we're widow. talking about like relationship, okay, maybe that would be that would be okay. But if we're talking about just sex, yeah, I, I think that's a totally different set of criteria. Well, there, no, there's still respect in sex. Oh, absolutely, there can be. <laughs> there is. No, I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's horrible. For the love of God, I'm kidding. <laughs> so who is it then, Brian? Um, well, it's debatable, but she's kind of an antihero. I would say Catwoman. Ah. Oh. Yes. Meow. And no one is surprised. No, information. no, no. So you're saying that you would like to make that kitty purr? Well, he does like pussy. Hey, <laughs> there it is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and with that, welcome to Nerds on Film, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Brian Moriarty. I'm Sarah Ashley. And I am returning back as Sue, Sue, Sue Darius. Hooray, Kevin Sutorius. Yay, I'm back. Welcome back, sir. Thank you for joining us tonight. David McGuire is out of town because his job made him go to L.A. Some stupid reason. Stupid. It could be worse. He could have gone to Cleveland. Wow. (laughs) It's funnier when you have the app. I know, but see, Cleveland is my hometown, and okay, I wouldn't want to wish that on my mortal enemies. Again, nerds on bad comedy. Okay. So, we've got a couple of things we want to talk about tonight, right? Of course we do. The first one is actually some listener feedback. Corrections and feedback, yeah. From Jill, who is an avid listener now, which I really appreciate. Thanks, Jill. But she wrote us back an email regarding Peter Pan. 
Okay. The, the Peter Pan episode that so we the, did. So the An Awfully Big Adventure episode. Yes, which, hell, we were just completely not prepared for that one, aside from just being big Peter Pan nerds. Yeah, we, we at the last minute, had to cancel because... Mm-hmm. Well, David had to cancel at the last minute. We didn't cancel. We yeah. decided to keep going, and we had, like, 45 minutes. But we had to change topic. It was very last minute, yeah. and Kevin... Love that episode, apparently. Oh, oh, uh, I'm making that's what she said references in oh. my head, but I was going to say it was an awfully good episode coming from a listener. Thank, Thank you. For someone who is very lightly has knows about Peter Pan, like, all right, so I'm going to shame myself from saying this, but I have not seen all of the Disney Peter Pan. I haven't seen the live action one. Get I have out. seen... I Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, it was good to be back. See ya. <laughs> I know. Oh, I'm still getting that look. All right, I will leave. I, I'm I, I sorry. Promise. I'll stop staring right now. This is just like I'm, I'm shocked. Okay. I'm so sorry. Okay. I, you have failed me for the last <laughs> time, Sutorius. All right. So I'll just go ahead and I'm not gonna. I'm not necessarily gonna read the entire email because it's very long, <clears> and then she does a lot of references to other stuff, which I did appreciate. But this is the the main crux of the email. It says, "Hello, nerds. I just found this handy feedback button." Maybe this means all of you will get the message at once and spare Sarah having to pass it along. Yes, use our listener feedback button on our webpage at nerdonme.com. Plug over. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I was listening to the new Peter Pan podcast, Alliteration for the Win, where Sarah and Brian were discussing the fact that Peter Pan really isn't the main character because, depending on the version, he doesn't experience the classic epiphany and therefore character growth and permanent change. I would argue that this argument misses its mark, mostly because while the hero, main character, and protagonist are often the same person, it isn't necessarily so in all stories. And then she linked to an article that was very interesting, and and I don't, we can't necessarily read the whole article, but uh, we will refer to it when we're having the discussion. I will say, though, that the author of that article, John August, has another podcast called Script Notes, Mm -hmm. and he talks about being a screenwriter in Hollywood. So it's a uh, very interesting read. I don't necessarily agree with it, mm-hmm. but I also think this... Let's continue with the, the email first before we get to that. Okay. It says, to summarize, the author argues that the main character is the person who the story is about, Peter in this case. The hero is the person um, that you want to win, Peter again in this case. The protagonist is the person that experiences the change, in this case, Wendy. Um, and then the author of the article gives the example of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory... Um, the book in the Johnny Depp version, not the 1971 version. The story is about Charlie, who is a nice little boy, who stays a nice little boy, equals main character. And Hero, he wins the factory, but not the protagonist, which is, of course, Willy Wonka. The author advocates the story exercise of find the protagonist, hero, and main character as a fun game while watching movies. Um, So while making an excellent point, I would argue that Peter is, in fact, the main character, just not the protagonist. Um, Side note, John August, the guy who wrote this article wrote the screenplay for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, did he? No yeah. way. Yeah, that's why he meant brought it up, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Ah, yes. Okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> okay, so that, that's pretty much the gist. And I actually, I would say that that is a very good argument, and I would probably agree with it. What I think I like about that argument is the separation of hero, main character, protagonist, I think allows for a lot of creativity in the screenplay, or the story, or whatever context that we're putting it in. Um, I, I like not having rigid rules and formats. So yes, while mostly they're the same, there can be exceptions. And I think actually the argument works really well for this. 
I know you disagree, Brian. I don't disagree with the premise. Mm-hmm. The premise makes sense because you, when you're talking about story structure, you can't have absolutes. You're right. Right. If you stick to this rigid format for how you develop storylines, you're going to end up becoming a formula writer, essentially. And formula is not bad, necessarily. There are plenty of people who have made full careers. William Shakespeare, for example. Dan who, Brown. And Dan Brown. I was just about to say that, who too. Who are very good at formula writing. If you can work within it, awesome. What I'm thinking, though, is that following the general archetype of main character having that journey, I think Wendy fits the category of main character in everything, I guess, but name, because... What we were talking about before is I feel like it's very easy to get hung up on main character or title character. Right. And title character, I think, is a different thing that is often misassociated with main character. So that's my position on it. If you go by the definition that the main character is the point with which all action is driven... Right. Then I could see the argument for Peter Pan. And that's what I agree with, because I do think that the person that the story revolves around that more chunks of the story are just about that person that makes it a main character. Well, see, I think that's where, not to get semantical, but I think that's where the definition can deviate. Because just because a character drives the action of the story doesn't mean that the story revolves around them. I think the story revolves around Wendy, but I think Peter Pan does drive the action of the story forward, if that makes any sense. I guess, but I don't think that necessarily the... I don't agree that the story revolves around Wendy. I think the story revolves around Peter Pan, but Wendy experiences the growth that she the, goes that, on the journey that the protagonist needs yes yeah she has an arc to right. her story whereas peter pan not so much yes i agree with that okay so anyway the it's, great thing about this is it's subjective right it is, yeah. it is and it's a good it's a really good discussion so thank you very much jill for writing in that email we really appreciate it um and then you actually gave us another email a while back with a lot of really good suggestions for topics and I really liked the first one that you gave us so I want to go ahead and just throw that out there for the topic tonight and with that we're not prepared I didn't, I didn't know about this beforehand I didn't know about this oh my gosh I'm, I don't know if we can do this Brian Brian are you ready because it's our segue yeah I'm gonna keep doing that you should you really should <laughs> always Always and forever. <laughs> Sean, Sean, please work on a soundbite for that. So, in, it was good. It was good, Kevin. Fun. <laughs> so our topic... You're a Muppet. Based, ah! on, based on what Jill said. Um, she said, I have always been curious about the phenomenon of sister movies in Hollywood. For example, Deep Impact in Armageddon, The Illusionist and The Prestige, The Matrix and 13th Floor, Dante's Peak, and Volcano. I've always wondered why Hollywood does this. Plus, I would be interested to hear the cast's opinion on which of the sisters was the better pair for various movies. Ooh. Such a good topic. Actually, I got that really excited. That is a excited. meaty topic. I like that idea. Yeah, so hopefully we're not going to try and do something where it's just a bunch of listing all over the place because we're trying to avoid that. that. We will bring up quite a few different we titles. We will talk a lot. But Absolutely. Brian, why don't you go ahead and enlighten us? So what is a sister movie? So do we want to just define it first, and then we go into why? Tell us, tell us why studios do this because okay. it, it seems to be something almost on purpose, right? Well, folks, let's not forget it's show business, not show art, right? It is show business, as my uncle has said numerous times. Uh, the business gets you in, the art keeps you there, basically. I like that. Well, that's actually pretty succinct. I like yeah. that. It's not uncommon for every studio 
to have thousands of projects in development at any one given time. Okay, and studios still get script submissions from writers all the time. They have a department that just takes them in and has someone read them and put them on a shelf somewhere. You know, and what unfortunately happens is one studio gets a deal with a writer with a really really hot script that they like. Uh, let's say, for example, Snow White and the Huntsman to make a more recent reference. And then to top that off, another studio said, wait a second, I just read in Variety or The Hollywood Reporter that they've greenlit Snow White and the Huntsman. Don't we have a Snow White script in development? Let's, let's find that Snow White script and get that one greenlit so that we can make some money off of it. It's not so much about outdoing the other person at the box office because they rarely ever open on the same weekend. In right. fact, they've never... Uh, there's, I can't think of a single movie that has opened on the same weekend. Same weekend, no, but there is one movie that I have in my list that opened up literally a week after. Right. And what it's really more or less about is about getting residual box office off of the other title. And it's all about the precision of when you do the release date. Like the phrase, uh, I think it's what, a feeding on a, a wave of fame, so, so right. to speak. Yeah. Right. So, in the circumstance of Snow White and Huntsman and Mirror Mirror, they were months apart. Um, but in the case, I would say, of Olympus Has Fallen and White House Down... Those which are three is, months apart. Those are three months apart. They're still within recent enough memory yeah. that you can say, oh, is that the movie? Maybe the person is confused and they think it's a similar enough concept that they go see both. Or maybe it's just that they're thinking, well, I like this movie. Maybe this one will be good, too. Right. And usually one becomes favorite over the other. Yes. Yeah. And um, uh, there's also a third reason. Um, one of the movie pairings in my list actually falls on this reason, literally just revenge. That there's somebody involved in the project, they are forced out of the studio, and they go to another studio. And why don't you share your example of which movies those are? Because those well, are actually right. two very well-known movies. Absolutely. Um, for all those that don't know, I'm a gigantic Pixar fan. Um, I'm a fan of all of their animated Pixar-philiac, if you will? Pixar-philiac, yeah. Um, Does that mean he likes to have sex with Pixar movies? No. No, I think a, I think a Pixar... The, the Pixar, Pixar, file. Pixar file is... No, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. That sounds dirty. Pixar fanatic. You're a pixel. Here a pixel? I said you're a pixel. I'm a pixel. All right. Pixar, if you're listening, we need to make that happen. Coined by Brian Moriarty and Nerds on Film. You can't coin a unit of measurement. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, this is Nerds on Film. I forgot. <laughs> yes, emphasis on nerd. Nerd. All right. Well, mm. um, in terms of the definition that you had, um, I'm going to try my best to end it with um, the more recent Olympus Has Fallen and White House Down Go ahead. Um, in a certain respect. But to begin this topic, I would like to talk about A Bug's Life versus Ants. Uh, both of these movies were released in 1998, and the history behind it is Jeffrey Katzenberg, which worked for a Disney animation team. Um, yeah, he was head of the Disney animation he was. studios for a long time. He was. Um, he was uh, Michael Eisner's, uh, one of his best like candidates, friends, whatever you want to yeah, call it. Yeah, and he um, had done, actually, one of his last projects he had done for Disney was Aladdin. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, no, no. Lion King. Was it Lion King? Yeah, I'm sorry. Lion King okay. was the last one. But Lion King was one or two movies after, so that wasn't that far away. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, and so there had been a lot of creative development change with Disney Animation, and they forced Jeffrey Katzenberg out. And so Katzenberg uh, talked with Spielberg and the other person. Uh, David Geffen. Thank you. Um, who thus created DreamWorks. And out of pure spite, Jeffrey Katzenberg's like, look, I, Pixar has made Toy Story. Look how much money it made them. Computer animation is the way to go. Their next movie is uh, based off of uh, a bug's life and has to do with some sort of uh, Oedipal uh, journey as well. We're going to do the exact same thing. And boom, the movie Ants is created out of pure spite and revenge. And uh, I would say to a certain degree because Pixar is literally starting to ride that wave of fame. 
They yeah. saw a excellent uh, monetary uh, excuse. Sure, and they even to tried to contend by getting bigger names in it too. Absolutely, because you've got for Bugs Life, you had Dave Foley and you had Dennis Leary. I as, love Dave Foley. Yeah, I know, right. Good names, but not big enough names like Sylvester Stallone or Woody Allen, and those yeah, were who were in that's Ants. Right. That's and right. And who was the girl? Was it Sharon Stone? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds Sharon right. Sharon Stone. Yeah. 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 Okay. So in other words, three mega A-list actors, and then you've got. Who Dennis Leary, who is a great actor, but he's not an A-list actor. Yeah. He's and a B-list actor, I'd say, and so is Dave Foley. Who was? Uh, what's the actor's name of Everybody Loves Raymond's Brother? Oh, uh, Brad. Brad Garrett. Garrett. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <clears throat> Brad Garrett. That's my Brad Garrett impersonation when he's sad. Oh, Brad Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was Brad Garrett, uh, Dennis Leary, Dave Foley, uh, Bonnie Hunt, who is a Pixar regular. Shoot, who else? Oh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus riding on her uh, Seinfeld fame as well. Good point. Yeah. Good point there. So it, it well, wasn't like mega star list for Bugs Life, but Pixar knew these people had talent. Boom. To be fair, though, Pixar has never been about that. Pixar has been about the story. They want to sell well, uh, the yes. story. Yes. And they have the Disney chutzpah behind it to get it made. And then they get bigger names associated with it over time, but they've never been about that. Well, no, 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 no. That's not what I meant. I yeah. meant that you are 100% correct that, you know, they are focused on the right. story first, but they look for talent, not names. Right. I think that's what I'm getting at. And okay. I think that might be what makes a distinction between them and DreamWorks, too, is that DreamWorks will go more for name. Absolutely. To attach to it. And they've eventually grown into stronger storytelling. I think yeah. Hydra and Your Dragon was it's still awesome, their best. Was one, one of their best movies. It's yeah. not their best animated movie. Though Shrek, obviously, is hard to compete with. Ooh. That's got to be another topic, though. Yeah. Do you guys want the numbers? Yes, please. Please. Okay. So for Bugs Life and for Ants? Yes. Or just, okay, go ahead. Commercially, Ants brought in $90.6 million for DreamWorks. And that's over the course of their entire box office run. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a Bugs Life brought in $162.8 million. There you go. There's your proof. Better product. Critical yeah. success. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think that's what makes the difference there. It's the better product. Yeah. No, yeah. So that was the box office success. Yes. Critical success. Ants... What is a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, and Bugs Life is 91%. No way. Yeah, really? actually, here's the thing. I get it. Ants is a little bit, I think, of a smarter script. It's more meant for adults. It is more meant for adults. There's definitely, um, I think... There's more adult humor it, in it, well, and Okay, so both of them are kind of the everyman hero type guy, you know, reeling against the system kind of thing, but I think Ants was more political. Absolutely. Well, it's the same way that like the uh, Jerry Seinfeld B movie that came out. Oh yes, B was very much not for kids. It just happened to be animated. Right. Whereas, but Bugs Life had a very different audience. Bugs Life was intended Universal. to be a family right. film. Yeah. Right. I don't think Ants was, even though it was animated. I don't think it was fully intended to be. I think it was more like it was an adult themed movie masquerading as a children's movie. Okay. That's my argument, but that's yeah. um, just and me. By the way, um, in terms of my source or. Part of the reason for my source about um, Jeffrey Katzenberg leaving and making Ants, there is this wonderful, very, very intriguing documentary called Waking Sleeping Beauty, which is about uh, the Disney animation studio from when it started all the way to the mid-90s, right around Lion King, so to speak, and right, briefly talks about other movies behind that. Right, and because Disney's animation studio was in the middle of a pretty big decline oh, yeah. in the late 80s, and it wasn't until The Little Mermaid that it really st- it started coming out back. It. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so I wanted to throw that out there for our listeners uh, to check out. And I found it on Netflix. Cool. Yeah. Can you tell one of us has a film degree? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. 
Wow. Jeez. I'm going to throw down right I know, now. right? It's, um, I don't know, the weather, it seems a little smug. There's this big wave of smug that's going to be rolling in in a few moments. Okay, so um, what are some other ones, some other movie pairings that stand out to us? I'll just put this in and mention uh, Babe and Gordy. Okay. Gordy, which was made by Disney, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and Babe, which I thought was Warner Brothers, but I may have to double check that. But anyway, the only connection is that although both movies were released in 95, they both involved talking pigs. Gordy, more or less talking to humans. Babe, talking more or less to animals. But they have two different stories, but literally they are both movies They're about talking, talking pig movies, pig. right? Yeah. And one was, one's momentum was used for the other. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, and I think that That's would qualify. That's pretty clear. Yeah. yeah. That is a pretty yeah. clear idea. So, yeah. defining a sister movie, really. Yes. Ideally, they're released the same year, or within a year of each other. Ideally, Yes. And premise is very close. Premise. Or a theme or a gimmick is very, very close with yep. those movies. Well, I wouldn't yeah. necessarily say gimmick. I think when we say gimmick, that's a little bit dicey because then you can compare a lot of things that I don't always agree are sister movies, but mostly it's premise. Well, if we're going to make like a lemon test sort of situation here, and that's right, folks, I just made a history reference. Booyah. Because <laughs> that's right, I do double duty. I'm a nerd on history as well as nerd on You said, said duty. duty. <laughs> and that's nerds what separates nerds on film from nerds on history. <laughs> Hey! You can say duty in the, the history podcast. Yeah, but we're not going to laugh at it. You guys say duty all the you time. You guys just don't laugh at it into the microphones. That's no. the difference. You guys are just as immature. Come on. Suck. Let's be real. Sound guy? Yeah, sound guy is nodding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sound guy. I yes. feel so betrayed. But getting back to the topic at hand, um, when it comes to gimmick, the only thing that I can say right now off the top of my head that I would use as a definition for what that term gimmick is used for when it comes to sister movies is Babe and Gordy because the gimmick is a talking pig yet they have two totally different stories yeah whereas I'd like to maybe make two examples here the one that blares out to me and that she mentioned so perfectly is Armageddon and Deep Impact Deep Impact being the Hollywood movie not the porn yes (laughs) thank you (laughs) we're gonna do some drilling baby oh god (laughs) (laughs) That was Armageddon. <laughs> no, that was Armageddon on. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Sarah. Well done. Well done. Touche. I, I love the whole with the MTV Movie Awards that year. Mm-hmm. They got in sync to be the astronauts. Armageddon in sync. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that. Wow. <laughs> I do remember that because they got Don Fontaine to do the uh, the voice. Mr. Movie. A Mr. Uh, movie trailer. voice? Mr. <sighs> movie trailer voice. Yeah, nice. they actually got him to do the... The voice for that. Armageddon in sync. Exactly. And a bunch of bad puns and everything. So anyway, those two, for those who haven't seen those movies, first of all, stop right now and watch them because this is a film podcast. Duh. And if you check our blog, you should definitely see Armageddon in the Criterion release because we talked about that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the great thing is, this is a podcast, so you can pause it and watch it. Go ahead. Wait. Welcome, Welcome back. back. Actually, guys, I'm not going to lie. I've never seen Deep Impact. You haven't? Have For not. shame. I know. I've seen Armageddon a bunch of times, but I've never so, seen So, okay, here's Deep the Impact. thing. I've seen both movies. I originally had not seen Deep Impact. I'd only seen Armageddon because that was the one that, let's admit it, that comes down to marketing. One yeah. movie gets favored in box office because of marketing. One movie gets favored in, in critically because it's a better story. And I think in this case... The song. 
was totally the song. Which yeah. was which I would argue is marketing. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. No, absolutely. So correct me if I'm wrong here. I want I want to hear the truth here. I would say in this case, Armageddon mm-hmm. took box office, mm-hmm. but Deep Impact took critical acclaim. Done. Yes. Yeah. Totally right. So Deep Impact um, had less hype and made less money. How much did it make? 140 million. Okay. And Armageddon made 201 million. Okay, million. and what what are the critical numbers for the tomato meter? Deep Impact had 46 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and Armageddon had 40 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. 46, really? Yeah, I'm I'm that shocked low. about that myself. Yeah. You know, it's aged very very well, and I think that what was working against that movie was that the director was not super well known. Mimi later had done some other film projects, but she was not a super well known director. Which is also referencing an earlier podcast that we've had we before. Did. There's an awesome quote. So the where I'm getting these numbers from is a website called 11points.com. That's 11points.com. And they have a quote in here from the critical success numbers that they got. Um, James Sanford of James Sanford on film said of Armageddon. Super specific blog title. Yeah. <laughs> breathless and utterly brainless makes the similarly themed and much more sentimental deep impact look like Schindler's List by comparison. Whoa! Wow. <laughs> That's ouch. Deep impact is not that bad of a movie. No, no, I think it's saying it's com- it's making it's Armageddon. Oh, Armageddon. okay. Because Schindler's List is a great movie. Absolutely. So yeah. they're saying they're making that, it oh, elevates okay. yeah. it because right. of the brainlessness of oh, the Michael Bay movie. And- I can't believe I haven't mentioned this already, but I'm going to do it now. Uh, how Michael Bay was quoted as apologizing for Armageddon by a certain... I know, I know. Okay. He was. It was quoted a week ago that he apologized for Armageddon, and then just a few days ago, he's like, what? That's not true. They twisted my words around. And he said, it's unfortunate that the third ending ended the way that it did because the studio rushed the movie. Had I had the chance to go back, yes, I would do the ending over again, but I am very proud of Armageddon. Very he also that movie was had a lot of trouble in production they had to spend millions of dollars to get the spacesuits redone because the spacesuits that were originally going to get were so bad yeah that the movie would have totally tanked if they were to go forward with them also point of nerd reference are you guys ready for this jj abrams is credited for writing armageddon he shut pro- up he probably looked, looked that it. shit up yeah I'm, I'm willing to bet that he definitely saved it but um, he is credited i will say though the story in Deep Impact is much stronger. And I also think it's got better cast in it, too. I mean, you've got Morgan Freeman, who was in... I mean, this is before Morgan Freeman became a super, super... The status he's at now. He had already been an Academy Award nominee at this point. <clears throat> but he was not, like, Morgan fucking Freeman. I like know, we're right? Like, think of him now, right? I am the President of the United States, and I have to tell them there is no more United States. Exactly. You also had Elijah Wood, who was a pretty... Uh- up and comer. Yeah, he. This is between. What was it? Radio Flyer that got him on the map. What was it? What, anyway, he had become. This is when he was becoming a teenager. So he was, you know, developing into an adult actor. And this is pre Lord of the Rings. Right. So yeah, he was like, okay, recognizable face. Yeah. But then you also have T.A. Uh, Vanessa Redgrave. Uh, yeah, isn't it? As I was well. going to say T.A. Leone as well. T.A. Leone. Lee Sobeski. Lee Sobeski. Exactly. Tia Leone was on TV that time yep. on uh, this, The Awful Truth, I believe is what it was called. That sounds about right, yeah. <clears throat> or sorry, it was called The Naked Truth. Flipper. Flipper was the big one that Elijah Wood had done before this one. Flipper. I mean, he did With uh, Paul Hogan, things. yeah. But. Yeah, that's enough. Oh, and The Adventures of Huck Finn. Oh, he nice. That. And Radio Flyer before that. Yes, that's yeah, right. Anyway. He, was, he was Huckleberry anyway, Finn. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> okay, case in point. He was a good name to get yes. the tweens to go see in the movie. Right. And then you also had people like... Um, who had done a lot of television work, 
working the way. And you also had Robert Duvall, of course, so he had the more veteran actor mm-hmm. to go to match Vanessa Redgrave. So you had lots of, of a really well-seasoned cast, really strong actors in that film. And if you watch these movies like back-to-back, there's a kind of point of irony that with Deep Impact, they kind of throw a wrench in the entire story of Armageddon in terms of what if they failed. And then it's literally a story arc leading to that, just like the entire story of Armageddon. But what Deep Impact does is they throw that wrench into the story, what if they failed? Because but, it's a similar concept that they're trying to get to the asteroid. And they're trying to nuke it, but they're trying to do two different things, though. But they're trying to destroy it. Not, no, 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 they're not. Whereas in Armageddon, they're trying to split the asteroid using the nukes by drilling into it, which is why they use the whole ridiculous plot point of getting oil tankers, oil drillers to to go to this asteroid. The more scientifically probable argument, which is made in Deep Impact, is to use the nuclear weapon to deflect its course, just to get it to go away from the planet as it is. And there are actually NASA scientists that are, would argue that if that scenario were to take place, that would be what they, what they would try to do. Right. When I said the word destroy, I meant literally in the general sense. That's all that I meant by it. I did not mean it in the scientific well, In the general way. sense, you're still wrong, because the, the, the asteroid still exists. <sighs> Semantics, semantics, tapato, tapato. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Fine. Well done. Well Thank done. You. Way, to, way to deflate my argument with ridiculousness. I know. That's good. I will give you that. I will give you that. Touche, good sir. Right. Touche. So then getting back to our topic at hand, we're kind of starting in the early to mid-90s. And before we get into the 2000s... Um, one of the main points that Jill made was Dante's Peak versus Volcano. And I am definitely one of the people that have seen both movies multiple times. In fact, get ready for my nerd cred. One of my family friends uh, back from Ohio actually visited the set while they were filming Volcano and got me some of the Volcano Ash that they used in the movie that that she gave to me in a bag. For a second, I almost thought you said... Dante Speak versus Joe versus the Volcano. <laughs> <laughs> totally different. I was like, wait a second, let's take a step backward first. But then I, my brain just yes. realized that was the funny filter right. going through. So, um, With Dante's Peak, I think what the, the worst moment in Dante's Peak I think that they have is when they're going across the little pond and it's, you know, super boiling hot and somebody falls in and they're just like doing the, oh, and splashing right. around. And it's, it's, it doesn't come across as serious as it should. Oh, no. Versus in Volcano, you have somebody that's very, very close. Uh, it is, or it, I'm sorry, they're trapped. They're pinned by something and the uh, molten lava just starts coming closer and closer and they're just slowly getting closer and closer to the foot and then it starts engulfing them and goes... Uh, again, right. not it, playing it not as serious as it should be. And this is a, two examples of movies that are more similar in gimmick, exactly. not in plot, because right. Volcano is about finding out that there is a volcanic fault underneath Los, LA. Los Angeles. Exactly. No, I'm sorry, to get more specific, La Brea Tar Pits in Los Angeles. <laughs> right. Never mind the fact that... It's just, oh, who would have thought? What, what, were, what are the odds? You I, know. <laughs> I think it was a movie to really test out the uh, possibility of special effects. In fact, I opinion. wish that was a line in the movie, too. Yeah. Oh, my God, what are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I didn't sign up for this! <laughs> uh, but Dante's Peak is about a mountain town that just happens to be sitting in the valley of a dormant volcano. Which becomes... Active. What's the opposite of dormant? Active. 
Is it really? Yes. yes. Like in dormant is not the opposite yeah. of dormant. Sound okay. guy is nodding. He's also a geology uh, expert. So well, astrophysicist, <laughs> geology expert, and a sound guy. So with Dante's Peak and Volcano, uh, Volcano you have what? Tommy Lee Jones. Um, you have Anne Heche, and who else? That's about it. With Dante's Peak, you have... Pierce Brosnan. And Sharon's... Linda no, Hamilton. Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton, thank you. And whoever... The grandma was a, was a fairly recognizable name, too, wasn't it? To a degree, yeah. No? No. I, I try to banish both of those movies from my memory. Betty White would have been awesome in that movie. I, don't, I wouldn't... I would hate to see Betty White's legs dissolve in a lake of acid. Oh, but is it really best... Betty White? No, it's no. not really Betty White. Okay, because no. I'm looking this up right now because it bothers me that I don't know. Okay, well, you look it up while we continue talking. Absolutely. Cool. I okay. hate volcanoes. I just, That's I, why you don't like either of those movies. I if David would hear, David would mention the fact that you hate Dante's Peak yes. as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think the person that, that you can't watch it without, without no, it, getting... Like... I get uncomfortable because I'm really afraid of volcanoes. So... If it's you imagine, a, for it, me, yeah. that happening, but instead of lava, xenomorphs coming out of it, then you understand exactly I'm, how I feel about the alien movies. But here's the thing. I've still seen Dante's Peak several times. And I've seen alien movies, too. What are you getting at? I thought you hadn't you seen have, any of You've them. seen Prometheus I've never and seen, what else? I've never seen Alien. Okay. I've seen Alien Resurrection, and I've seen Prometheus. And I've seen bits of Alien vs. Predator. Uh, I'd be glad that you only saw bits of Alien vs. Predator, by the way. All right, so the person that we're thinking of... Sound uh, guy just gave me a the what-the-fuck look. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, the person that we're thinking of is... Uh, the actress is Elizabeth Hoffman, a person that I am, uh, unfortunately, unfamiliar with as of right now. Okay. So... Do you guys want the numbers? Yes, yes please. So... Can I predict this real quick? Sure. So I'm going to say, in this case, they were pretty close. Um, but I'm going to say Volcano took box office... And critical claim, I think they're about the same. Commercial success, Dante's Peak made. Oh wow, totally wrong. Made sixty-seven million, and which it cost more than a hundred million to make it. <laughs> and Volcano made forty-seven million and cost more than ninety million to make. Oh wow! So they both flopped. So, but Dante's okay. Peak did do better commercially. Hmm. Okay, so I was wrong there. Critical success. With a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes was Dante's Peak. With 42% was Volcano. Wow. Really? I was totally wrong. I don't know how Volcano I got better flipped. critical success. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I don't understand it either from somebody who's seen both movies several yeah, Volcano's times. Volcano's bad. Well, cause, it's it's because of Tommy Lee Jones actually, is what it is. Actually, I remember not being scared with Volcano because it was so bad. It was so bad. Yeah. I never saw either of them in theaters, though. I do remember seeing uh, a blatant advertisement for Dante's Peak. At Universal Studios, mm-hmm. uh, and it was like a cardboard cutout of Pierce Brosnan running, like, and you could, <laughs> okay. thats what it was. It was literally that's all it was. It was like this this wooden cutout that they had painted. <laughs> it was literally like, <gasps> and you could get your picture next to it. Visual jokes, guys. Uh, Audio uh, podcast. I know. Theater of the mind. Theater, Theater of the mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, all right. So now, as we progress to the late '90s, um, Sarah, do you have anything on your list, that, or excuse me, to add to the topic before we get into the 2000s? Because if you don't, I have another. Because I thought, I, well, because the one I was going to talk about was in the 2000s. Oh, okay. But I mean, if we can do go, proceed, then madam. Do we want to go back to the '80s? Do we? <laughs> Top Gun and Iron Eagle. <laughs> which, what is this Iron Eagle business? Yeah, you seriously, speak of? I've never even heard of Iron Eagle, but until uh, I saw this list, and I was like, there was something else. Um, Case in point, I think we know which one took box office. Yeah, Uh clearly. Which one probably also took 
critical success. So it's oh, actually, no. Here's the thing, but but neither of them are actually listed on Rotten Tomatoes because um, Rotten Tomatoes doesn't go back that far. Hmm. Oh, so so if Top Gun were to be re-released in theaters, which it was, was it? Yeah, 3D IMAX oh. for like a week. Oh, oh. well, what the hell? Um, they, anyway, Iron Eagle made Iron Eagle needs to be brought back. Iron Eagle made twenty four million, and Top Gun made one hundred and seventy six million. So, there's <laughs> <laughs> a big difference. Woof. But apparently, well. <laughs> Iron Eagle, um, according to the plot that I read online, a high school student, his buddies, and a retired pilot steal Air Force fighters and successfully take on the entire fleet of an unnamed evil Muslim country. Whoa. <laughs> This yep. is the 80s, remind you. When oh, 1986. The... Did this come out after Red Dawn? <laughs> Probably. Uh, wasn't Red Dawn before that? I think so. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But it, yeah. Yeah. So... The old, the original Red Dawn? The original. The... Okay. Yeah. yeah, because that remake was a pile of shit. On top of a pile of shit. I didn't even know it was a remake. Go yeah. figure. It sat on the MGM shelves for four years, but I digress. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to watch Iron Eagle now just to see how bad it is. <laughs> yeah, I kind of do I mean, too. I love Top Gun, and I've seen that movie several times. I but. only will ask if we do this that we must have at least three rounds of drinks beforehand. Yeah. Okay. We, or we could just turn it into a drinking game. We could. We could. Except the only drinking game that we could turn into Top Gun would all consist of one particular scene. The homoerotic volleyball yeah, scene? There it is. My favorite one. <laughs> Sweaty bodies built and uh, washboard abs yep. on top of flexing slapping while each you're other butts. The time. Yeah, you side with the like a tone of anticipation. Is there something you want to share with the table? I, I mean, do. We're all, we're all, I do. No, in no two hate respects. here, but I'm just saying. In two respects, one, I recently saw Top Gun for the first time. You know, three weeks ago. And two, I recently had a drinking game with some uh, coworkers of mine where we saw this movie from the '70s called Zardoz. With Sean Connery, oh my where God, he's wearing he's in the bikini. The, in that I, I I call it the mm-hmm. mankini. I've wanted to see that for so long. All right, so get ready for this, dear listeners. If you ever want to brave to watch this, it is literally the worst movie you will ever see. But you want to watch it the whole way through because you have no idea how much worse and stupid it can get. But the more that you drink while watching the movie, the more awesome it gets. So if you're interested in seeing Zardoz, be with people uh, that you enjoy their company and. Make sure there's a lot of alcohol. See, there's a very simple test to see if it's one of the worst movies ever made. Is how does it stand up against Plan Nine from Outer Space? Because that one was one where there was just like they for, they said fuck it to everything at one point <laughs> <laughs> with that movie, um, and of course directed by the infamous Ed Wood, right? Yes. So yeah, that'd be a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, have a whole film fest of awful movies and compare them to Plan 9 and see how, how they rank, how do they measure. Oh, that's interesting. Toss in a drinking game with each movie as well. That'd be fun. With yeah. different rules. Absolutely. Shitty. Folks, Nerdfest, let's let this ruminate. Absolutely. I'm just laying the seeds Nerd now. Nerdfest 2015? Oh, no, no. It should be, Hmm, Nerdfest. Why? <laughs> <laughs> or <laughs> Nerdfest. <laughs> the safe word is Glyphoigle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm about to hishmutz her gefoigel. <laughs> wow, that was just uncalled for. Oh, come on, come on. That was uncalled for? It was a joke. I know. And <laughs> our entire rabbi audience has just stopped listening. <laughs> uh, but getting Rabbis back- listen to us? Awesome. I would hope so. <laughs> I don't know why. It's probably because I'm a former step Jew. Gotcha. Um, so getting back to the topic at hand before we get into the 2000s, yes, sir. Continue. If we want to go still 90s, mm-hmm. Truman Show and Ed TV. That was the one that I wanted to bring up. Awesome. 
Okay, but they're like almost two years apart, though. Mm-hmm. So Truman Show One came year. out. Truman Show came out June fifth, nineteen ninety eight, and mm-hmm. TV came out March twenty sixth, nineteen ninety nine. Yep. But here's one key. That's more of a gimmick, sister film, because the plot points, even though they are both being televised, Ed is fully aware that he is being televised. Yes. It is a comment on reality television. Yeah. Whereas, well, I mean, Truman Show is a commentary on, tele- on on television in general, but Truman does not know. And I use finger quotes for that that he's being televised because you argue that actually he knows the entire time, but he just still lets it out. That he um, knows think, yeah. at the very end. It's a good theory, but there's not enough evidence in the beginning twenty minutes to prove that. In my opinion, I love that theory. I love I love the Truman Show. It is a great movie. It is a fantastic. It movie. is utterly awesome. Yet Ed TV, directed by Ron Howard, is very mediocre. To be honest, since I've seen both, I can easily remember the Truman Show almost moment to moment. Yet with Ed TV. I barely remember anything except Woody Harrelson is in it. That's all I remember. Yeah. And Matthew McConaughey and Ellen DeGeneres. No way! Mm-hmm. All right, so now my interest is peaked. I'm going to yeah, watch yeah, it. This again. is Ellen DeGeneres before she had her own TV show. Right. This is just when Ellen had just gone off the air. Uh, I will say my prediction: Truman Show took both, took both box office and critical praise. And you would be correct. Awesome. Bingo! Because Peter Weir was nominated for best director. Yep. Jim Carrey won um, Golden Globe, was snubbed for the Academy Award yeah. in that film. And uh, you mean straight up cockblocked? Yes, straight we don't, up. We don't use here. snub anymore. We don't say snubbed on here. Um, yeah, no, Academy, Ed, Academy cockblocked. And the only thing that Ed TV was nominated for was a 1999 Choice Award. <laughs> and it lost. <laughs> oh. Probably for Matthew McConaughey. It was a nom- right? it, I'm, not, I'm reading this right now, I'm not even joking. It was nominated for the sexiest love scene between Elizabeth Hurley and Matthew McConaughey. Oh, and shit. Elizabeth Hurley's in that. Yeah, but it's a love scene that doesn't actually come to fruition. Mm. And they ended up losing to... Shakespeare in Love. Freddie Prince Jr. and Rachel Lee Cook and She's All That. Of course it would be. Which all they did was kiss. So, there you go. <sighs> but that was back when Freddie Prince Jr. was Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, yeah. No, I had a picture of him up in my locker. I'm Along not... with the Backstreet Boys? Yeah. There it is. Clearly. Absolutely. I can't believe I'm... Uh, yeah, I shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. <laughs> um, so, Truman Show got 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ed TV got 63%. That's quite a difference. That is a stark difference. Truman Show box office numbers, $125 million. Ed TV, $22 million. Ooh. What were the budgets? I don't, I don't have that information. Oh, they don't have that? No. Folks, if you ever want to know budget when comparison to how much it made the box office... BoxOfficeMojo.com has a pretty impressive category going back all the way to uh, the 60s, I would even say. Maybe even further. If someone's on that site, correct us, please. And you can check all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The comparison. It's really, really awesome. And if you, there's also a pro membership where you can sign up for and get really, really in-depth, like adjust, adjustments for inflation and all that cool stuff. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So if we wanted to, so we're saying that EdTV and Truman Show gimmick. That's a gimmick-based sister movie. That's a gimmick-based sister I would concur. Yeah, yeah. Not a premise, necessarily. Okay. Yeah. Same thing, then, I would say for The Illusionist and The Prestige. Absolutely. So, well, really, because there's the both... They're in that period, case, yeah, they're period uh, magician-based movies. Yeah. Right. Yes. And they are shot in somewhat similar they're filtered. filters. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I would disagree with that. Prestige is blue. Illusionist is orange. Brown-orange, Brown, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's the difference, but definitely yeah. heavily filtered. Yeah, well, um, that, of course, was done by Wally Pfister, Christopher Nolan's usual right-hand man. For cinematographer, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Prestige is a Nolan movie, so... Yes, that's why I was saying it, Sarah. Okay, God, yeah. I'm just saying it for the audience, Brian. Shit. Well, good, I'm glad we had came to this agreement. Yeah, yeah it's weird. 
don't like agreeing with you sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Just out of defiance. Just out of defiance. (laughs) So both movies came out in 2006, and it really is. It's the gimmick of the magician. They don't really otherwise plot points have anything to do with each other, per se. The illusionist is more of a love story yeah. he is he is doing all of these things to win the heart of a woman and the prestige is definitely in the realm of more like a murder mystery it's a well it's a competition between yeah. two magicians yeah. and told through it's the a rivalry format. story yeah told through the format of a murder mystery yes. yeah. yeah yeah very cleverly done by the way yeah and absolutely. the prestige has bowie so in my opinion i just think anything with nikola tesla as Nikola Tesla. I'm just saying that should automatically make it a better movie. <laughs> and Andy Serkis doing an impeccable New York accent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As well. Yeah, the great absolutely. Danton. It was like, it yeah. was, it's yeah. excellent. Yeah. Wow, I just remembered that, huh? Yeah. I really like that movie. I, they're both really, really good. I will say I've watched The Prestige several more times than I have The Illusionist, but I also really enjoyed The Illusionist as yeah. well. I also am a big fan of Edward Norton's performance in that movie, and just Edward yeah. Norton's performance yeah, very underrated. or anything. Yeah, very underrated performance by Edward Norton in mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah, and, and Paul Giamatti's in that. And yeah. you know, Paul Giamatti, anything he does is always really good. And Jessica Biel as the love interest in The Illusionist as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you guys want the numbers on those? All right, all right I want to guess this time. Okay. All right, so um, Prestige definitely gets box office for sure um and i'm going to say the illusionist no i'm going to say the prestige also takes critical box office numbers the illusionist made 39 million and the prestige made 53 million good so you went on that yeah now here's the thing yes the prestige got better rotten tomatoes ratings but only by 1%. No way. It was that close? Prestige was 75%. Illusionist was 74%. Wow. That's the... That... A little bit. Wow. That one, I'm totally willing to say that that was a marketing... Oh, absolutely. Marketing cause, yeah, for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Well, also, no one had... The success of Batman begins to rise. The success of Batman, not only that, but he had much bigger names in that movie. Much bigger movie star names. Movie star names, yeah. Christian Bale, who had just earned fame for playing Batman. Yeah. Hugh Jackman, of course, Wolverine. Yeah. Because right? he's Hugh Jackman. He's Michael Caine. Fucking just Because Michael Caine. he's Michael Caine. Every, every magic twig yeah. consists of free pots. You know? <laughs> God, that's that speech is like so awesome. It is really good. Exactly. But yeah, Scarlett Johansson, as you were saying, absolutely. Right. Uh, and also a great performance by Pepper Parabo, even though she's only in the movie for about 20 minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then, of course, none other than David Bowie. David Bowie, David Andy Serkis. David fucking Bowie. David Bowie. Makes a total like surprise cameo appearance. I'm but sorry. Dave, it, again, David Bowie just makes everything better. Mm-hmm. Constantly, always. And Christian Bale. Everyone's like, what? <laughs> Watch the movie. You'll understand what I mean. Wait, what? Think Bri- about it, Brian's not elaborating. Think about it. David Bowie makes Christian Bale better? Is that what we just no, said? No, why would I mention Christian Bale twice? Think about it. Oh, okay. Dum, dum, dum. Okay. Thank you. All right. Spoiler alert. I guess that's what I got. I was like, I was thinking in the context yes. of the sentence that I just said. All right, okay? so wait, hold on. If you want to make that joke, so, and Hugh Jackman, 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 <laughs> and Hugh Jackman, and Hugh Jackman, and then I think there was also Hugh Jackman. God rest his soul. <laughs> God rest his soul. 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 And just one more for good luck. God rest his soul. 
<laughs> By the way, um, as a personal side note, I have read the book, The Prestige, and seen the movie. And although there's a lot that the movie takes from The Prestige, the book itself actually tells a slightly different story. Mm. And although intriguing, I still vastly prefer the movie. Interesting. Yeah. Because with one the, of those rare instances. Very rare. Um, I'll also throw that the movie Jaws is vastly superior to than the novel of Jaws, in my mm. opinion. Vastly superior. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right, what else we got? All right, so let's see. We're in the 2000s. I'm just going to throw this out there. Finding Nemo uh, and Shark Tale. Yep. Another Pixar versus uh, DreamWorks rivalry. Definitely more gimmick. Absolutely. Yeah. Because Nemo came out in 2003 before Shark Tale in 2004. It was totally riding on that wave of success, which is DreamWorks' claim to fame at that point. However, Shark Tale, just again like Ants, had way bigger names. Robert De Niro, Will Smith, I think Matt Damon may have been in that one. Matt I'll have to look at Matt no, Damon. Shark, Shark Tale with Jack Black. Jack Black, that's who I was thinking of, yeah. was a big one. I think Alec Baldwin was in it, too. That sounds, second. yeah, Will Smith. Once again, DreamWorks uh, yeah. going with names. Absolutely. Yes. So. Indeed. And and Finding Nemo going with, I mean, they had Albert Brooks, who would, would have been a name in like the mid-80s, yep. but not in the early 2000s. I love Albert Brooks, He's though. a great, amazing yeah. actor. And, and he's a really good voice actor. I just yeah. love listening to him. Well, the I biggest name yeah. in that movie was Ellen DeGeneres. At that point, yeah. because she yeah. had just started her show. Right. In fact, all right, so nerd credit again. Um, I went to a taping of the Ellen DeGeneres show. Literally after uh, Nemo comes out, and this actually was a taping for a test pilot that they were going to show to the executives, and I got to ask her a question, what it was like recording for Finding Nemo, and she said, uh, and of course everybody claps after I asked the question, and she says, well, there was a lot of swimming involved, but it was a lot of fun. Cute. Yes. I believe we have mentioned this before, but as a little piece of nerd trivia, who is the original voice of Albert Brooks's part in Finding Nemo? No looking on your iPad. No Google. Mm. William H. Macy. Shut what? up! He had recorded the entire part Shut up. How did of he, that character. How did he get no ousted? What happened? It just wasn't working. Oh. So he was still paid for his part, but Albert Brooks was brought in, and he re-recorded the entire part. Wow. No way! I shit you not. That's awesome. That is some awesome movie trivia. Yeah. That is really cool. I would love to hear the sound files of William H. Macy I in would comparison. Too. To see how, because William H. Basie is a brilliant actor. Uh, yes, yeah. absolutely. But not the charismatic voice compared to Albert. No, Albert Brooks. Right. not necessarily. And I f- forgive me, Disney fans, for not knowing Albert Brooks's character's name and finding Nemo. Marlon. Marlon, thank you. <clears throat> I was, I should have said that. I almost want to do the whole thing. You're, you're talking to a it. pixel here. <laughs> Would you even say you're a mega pixel? Oh <laughs> my god! Oh, yeah. Give me a high five yeah. on that one. Yeah. That was excellent. Mm. Yes, a megapixel. It's a big juicy pun. Yeah. Yes, and I don't have the numbers on. Well, those, I think, it's, but I will honestly say I think we can all just agree that Finding Nemo beat it out on both. Absolutely, yeah. uh, there's no question. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, movie no question. Al- made almost five hundred million dollars worldwide, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. So, on a similar note, but where the tables have turned, DreamWorks came out with Madagascar in 2005, and Disney Animation, not Pixar, Disney Animation came out with a seed, uh, another movie called The Wild where the only way that they interlink is that they are animals from New York that go through the city. That is the only link to between them. They are very, very close. Um, uh, yes, they don't make it back to Africa. Or do they think they do in the, in the wild? I, well, you're the only one that has seen the wild, as you told me before. Yeah, we they are pretty much, from what, what I remember, mm-hmm. having seen both movies, 
the wild is almost an exa- a clone completely. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, with a slightly different because they the one thing that's different is the lion character, which is voiced by Kiefer Sutherland, has a whole story with his son. Damn it! Damn it! Was the lion saying "damn it" in the movie? Um, no. Oh, no. Man, that's but a bummer. Also, sadly. I say sadly because he was miscast in this part. He could have been done so much, done a much better movie. Eddie Izzard is a voice. That, he was the koala. The, he was the koala. Yeah. And, and the only funny bit he has is when he falls over and says, "Look, I'm a starfish." When he uh, face plants <laughs> <laughs> onto the sand. Oh, Eddie Izzard. Yeah. So in that case, uh, that was where the tables had turned, where DreamWorks had come out with something original, and in that case, Disney's had copied. So I thought I just wanted to make a mention of that. Moving on in the list, uh, do you have anything uh, else, Sarah? Um, just honorable mention for uh, Capote and Infamous. Yep. Yeah, that was also on my list as well, where there were two movies about Truman Capote. Yeah. Though Capote is... Well, I mean, I didn't. I only saw... Actually, I didn't see either of the movies, but... Capote they, was awesome. It was. Uh, Philip Seymour so Hoffman won the Oscar for that. Fucking And very deservedly so. Good. But that one, that one was less autobiographical. It was more Correct. about... It was, a, it was a drama. Yeah. Right. That dealt with him in, the, in Cold Blood. Yeah. Writing. Yes. Right. Or the other one, Infamous, Infamous, was more, I think, about his relationship with Harper Lee. Correct. Yeah. And then uh, also a, uh, another, I wouldn't say honorable mention, but a mention at this point. Uh, there was a movie called Aeon Flux that came out in 2005 and a movie called Ultraviolet that came out in 2006. Aeon Flux had Charlize Theron. Uh, Ultraviolet had uh, Mila Jovovich. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for the correction. Um, the only connection is that they're both films in a dystopian future. Uh, they share a similar design scale in costumes and settings. They both have female powerful uh, leads uh, where they have very distinct hairstyles, and they try to right the wrongs upon humanity by a powerful virus. Definitely gimmick. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Absolutely. the one that I was thinking well, of... Well, only to interject before Sorry. you go... The reason why Aeon Flex came out first is that it was actually based off of an anime TV series that was on MTV. Yeah, they were right. developing it for over a decade right. before it came out. Yeah. And then, please, continue. Two movies that I can think of that are almost identical in plot premise are from 2011, I believe. It was No Strings Attached and Friends with Benefits. Definitely yeah. sister Absolutely. movies. Right. Straight up. Straight up. Um, and they both went the star route because No Strings Attached has Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher. In it and directed by Ivan Reitman, whereas uh, Friends with Benefits has Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake, who was trying to break into acting at this point. No, I'm pretty sure he had already broken into he acting. Had, I know, but, but this was one of the ones that really established him as saying he can really uh, do comedy. He can do a, he can be a movie star. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I mean he done other things. He had done the um, story of uh, Social Network. Thank you. Uh, he had done Social Network. He was uh, Sean, the guy who invented Napster. From Sean the Parker. social network. Sean Parker, right. Yeah. And that was his proof that he could be a dramatic actor. A good dramatic actor. A good dramatic actor, thank yeah. you. Yeah, and he'd done a couple other films before that, was too. Was this one, be- was No no Strange Attached or Friends with Benefits? I don't remember which one was which. That's how close they are. Yeah. Whatever one he was in, it was that before or after the dystopia one where you can see how much time, time you have in time? That was um, In Time Followed. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. It yeah. still came out in 2011, but I believe it came yeah, Interesting, it came though, is when you talk about who the main character is in mm-hmm. either project, in No Strings Attached, Natalie Portman is really more or less the protagonist in that, where she is the one who's struggling with relationship issues yeah. and using... Ashton Kutcher is a sex toy. Um, whereas I it's, don't blame her. It's Look quite at Demi reversed more. in... Wow. 
I had to say that. I'm sorry. Using Ashton Kutcher as a sex toy. Yeah. But well, please go on. Uh, it's totally reversed in Friends with Benefits. The very much the stereotypical guy has the, the relationship issues. Mm-hmm. In it. Of the two movies, though, I would say that I enjoyed Friends with Benefits a lot more. The story was a lot more solid. I was literally watching No Strings Attached and feeling like, really? This is just, it's so contrived. Yeah. And even though they follow very painfully rewritten formulaic plot points, there was something about Friends with Benefits that I, I just found much more engaging. And to that point, I will say that Friends with Benefits did better box office and had better critical praise. I have no idea. You don't okay. have it pulled up? <laughs> I don't have that one on the list. Oh, that's okay. I uh, pull that shit up. Okay. Yeah. Well, while we're talking about that, um, I had two honorable mentions that I wanted to make um, in regards to the late 2000s. The Black Dahlia and Hollywoodland was the uh, two movies that came out literally a week apart. Premise. Definitely a premise-based one where they're talking about neo-noir, as you would call it. Yes, neo-noir, 1940s, 1950s set up, whereas Black Dahlia and Hollywoodland are both based off of um, Hollywood star murders. Two totally different ones, but death nonetheless. There's something so enamorous about telling the world how fucked up L.A. was in the 1940s and 50s. Yeah. Because if you look at Chinatown and L.A. Confidential, they're all essentially the same freaking story. Yeah, and then to a, a more modern and recent degree, Gangster Squad. Because I will say, Gangster Squad, it's not a great movie, but very entertaining. Very entertaining. Yeah, and um, Sean Penn is actually, for once, looks like he's having fun in a role that he's playing for once uh and he got really buff for that movie too he yeah you can see his muscles ripple when he's punching the punching bag in that so interesting yeah Yeah. absolutely i haven't seen it yet yeah well i mean if you haven't seen hollywoodland you of all people i would be shocked because it's about george reeves the first actor to play superman on screen there were a lot of people who were saying ben affleck should have been cast as superman years ago i told the closest we ever got i totally agree dude yeah Totally agree. He he. I think he could have been a really good Superman. I've got the numbers. Let's hear it. Well, what what guess do you want to make? Let's do box office. All right. So you've heard my estimations, right? I don't remember what they were. Well, then pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I paid attention. I just have a very short memory for things that are important. Take Biloba. <laughs> okay. Continue, Brian. I'm sorry. What was that gibberish? Ginkgo biloba. It's an herbal. Su- forget it. <laughs> so. Nerds on California. <laughs> Knock. Oh uh, yes. Zing. All right. So you said it was uh, no strings attached. No. Yes, it no, was. No, 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 no. I said that Friends with Benefits took both. Took both box office and critical. I'm sorry. Because I, those movies are so completely identical, I get those mixed up myself. <laughs> Friends with Benefits being Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis. Okay. No Strings Attacks is Natalie Portman. No Strings Attacked? <laughs> oh, thank God! <laughs> Aliens. I'm, oh, so Aliens weird. Attack. I'm sorry. Joanne's Fabrics. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm getting a little tired. Yeah. No Strings Attached is with Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. So, so how'd they do? Box Office... Friends with Benefits, Justin Timberlake, Mila Kunis, got $55 million. Mm-hmm. No Strings Attached, Natalie Portman, Ashton Kutcher, got $70 million. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Apparently, also they-, had, they also had a bigger director because Ivan Reitman directed that movie. Yeah. So they may have been able to get that poll. Critical acclaim? Uh, I'm still going to say Friends with Benefits. I'm going to say No Strings Attached then. Friends with Benefits, Justin Timberlake, 71%. And That's generous. No Strings Attached. 
Ashton Kutcher, 49%. Oh, snap. The 49%, that's an accurate representation. Yeah. I actually, I don't think I saw that one. I, I know I saw Friends with Benefits. It's throughout the entire time, uh, No Strings Attached, I was like, Natalie Portman. Here's what Why? I was saying about Why? No Strings Attached. The performances are decent. Mm-hmm. Kutcher, I am a big believer that he can act. And Butterfly that just, Effect proved it. Yes, and he just needs the right part to escalate him to the next level. Don't make that face. Natalie Portman has proven herself several times over at this point. Um, I think that was a paycheck movie for Natalie Portman. Probably was, but nevertheless, she did a good job. She also did that other one that came out shortly after. Her Highness. Yeah. Or Your Highness. I never saw that one. Oh, Oh, that was bad. Was it a disappointment? It It was such... It was beyond a disappointment. My parents... I got angry at that movie. People want to know where my film love comes from. My parents used to rent movies all the time. My dad and my stepmom rented Your Highness... And you know it's bad when they don't finish watching it. Oh. oh. Where my stepmom, you know it's bad when she starts doing house chores while it's on. <laughs> she started, like, cleaning up shit in the house. Wow. And my dad's like, do you want to keep watching this? He's like, no, I, I stopped paying attention 20 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was so... Yeah. I, I, I tried to get my money back when I saw that. Wow. And they wouldn't do it because I saw the movie in full. So this is not related to sister films at all, but when I saw the movie Strange Wilderness, that's the last movie I walked out of. And actually, no, Bruno was the last movie I walked out of, but I've only those are the only two movies I've ever walked out of right for sheer hating the movie so much. I walked out of Strange Wilderness less than 10 minutes in saying, this is awful. And I got my money back. And I you tried, can do that, actually. You can do that yeah, as long as you leave about, about like a half, half hour, hour yeah, yeah. into the movie. Um, I tried to do that for Clash of the Titans, and I argued with the uh, manager, like, look, I wanted to give the movie this shot, but it was so bad. Oh, you know, it was also Bad Teacher. I walked out of Bad Teacher. Yeah. All right. Anyway, sorry. No, it's okay. Um, Tangent. Uh, just a quick honorable mention I wanted to make was Kick-Ass and Super. Both mm-hmm. movies came out in 2010. Uh, both movies having to be about uh, self-made heroes uh, in, a, However, in a land where superheroes cannot exist. Yes. That's However, Kick-Ass, I believe, is an adaptation of, of the graphic, graphic novel, novel, where a super is... Um, original story. Thank you. Yeah. But James on, Gunn. Yes, on premise alone. So, yes. uh, wrapping up our list, I would say uh, would be Mirror, Mirror, and Snow White and the Huntsman, I would imagine. Well, yeah. Another quick honorable mention. Yeah, Saving, uh, absolutely. Saving Private Ryan, Thin Red Line, and Mission to Mars and Red Planet. Yeah, so absolutely. Thank you. With that one, I can say with Saving Private Ryan, we know that one took box office. Yes. And we know that one took critical acclaim Ooh, as well. Ooh, actually, that's, that's a tough call because they're both really good movies. That's true, but I know... I just know these things. I know. Right. Saving Private Ryan got 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Then Red Line got 78%. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But see, I guess people didn't really like Terrence Malick. Terrence Malick point. is a really 50-50 filmmaker. Oh, absolutely. Tree Mission, of Life. Mission to Mars got 23% on Rotten Tomatoes, and Red Planet got 13%. No way! Mission to Mars is a much better movie than that. I call bullshit on that. Okay. Give me an Air 5. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Thank you, sound guy. <laughs> yeah, br- Mission to Mars is Brian De Palma for crying out loud. Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> the Outrage. H is silent. And Kevin is upset. Yeah, that's right. To reference SNL, the H is silent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. I was mad about that. Okay. That reading. Um, but yeah. So again, taking it back, Mirror Mirror, Snow White and the Huntsman. Clearly, very very different. Uh, mirror, polar mirror. opposites. Yeah, Mirror Mirror was meant to be like a family-friendly comedy. Whimsical. Yeah, something light, something probably more expected for a fairy tale. Yeah. And Snow White and the Huntsman was... Dark. Dark, gritty Snow White reboot. 
um, sort of. Franchise because when you think starter. dark and gritty, yeah. you think immediately, oh, Snow White, no question. Yeah, right, absolutely. right. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, when you go back Dumbasses. and contextually read a lot of fairy tales, yeah, that shit's dark and gritty. <laughs> okay, there's a difference between being dark thematically and being dark yeah. cinematography. Cinemagra- sure. What's the Cin- word? Cinematically. Cinematically, thank you. Yes. I was going to say cin- cinematographically because of the, the way the shots were composed. Where but yes, cinematically. The movie quite literally is dark. Yes. Yes, <laughs> and I think they went Aliens for a, versus Predator. Yeah. That well, movie, the, it, no light. Right. Well, and Ridley Scott's movies, too. Ridley Scott's Alien is but see, very yeah, heavily That's a hard. discussion for another day. Anyway. And, that, and, you know, Snow White and the Huntsman definitely did do better box office. Oh, yes. Um, than Mirror Mirror. I don't have the numbers on that. Though Mirror Mirror did garner one, one Academy Award nomination. For best costume design. This is true. Yes. This is true. Wait, I thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Snow White and the Huntsman, I believe, got one as well, but it was. For I think it was else. for special effects. Probably for special effects. Yeah. yeah. However, I will say this: going into the movie, for me, it w- became very obvious only because uh, so many articles were released about it uh, that Snow White and the Huntsman was uh, being treated as a franchise starter completely. And going into that, I totally like. I can totally see it, and I'm disappointed that they are making another. Sarah just gave her shock face. What's going on? Snow White and the Huntsman got 48% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I do understand. I, I do have issues with that movie. Mirror Mirror got 50%. Really? What? Technically speaking, Mirror Mirror was the better movie in oh, critical well, It was a little more comical, too. Yes. Oh, oh so, I'm sorry. I, mean, I, I guess maybe going into that, then, you have to... Well, I haven't seen Mirror Mirror. I honestly can't tell you. Yeah, neither have I. But... Mm. My parents hated it, I will say. Mm. But I can tell you from Snow White and the Huntsman, it was bizarre. Because visually, even though it was really good, and I do really love Charlize Theron, I think she's fantastic. She was the only redeeming quality. Right. Exactly. But not only that, but they, and I know I've said in previous episodes that it's okay to, to twist the story around to make a different take on it, but they changed who revives Snow White, and that's almost unforgivable. That was, that was frustrating to me. But, yeah. you know, the thing that actually really got me was that there were so many things that I felt were either just too... I, I won't even want to say referential because I don't feel like it was intentional, but things like as she's going through this crazy swamp and the horse sinks, and I'm like, never-ending story. And then there's um, these little pod things that are releasing these chemicals, and I'm thinking labyrinth. And then just the whole relationship that she has with the huntsman while they're on this journey, it's almost like true grit. And there's even a scene where they get attacked by snakes true grit and so it felt very much like a odd western put mm. into when, a fairy when, tale yeah. fantasy setting when she's with the huntsman yeah. in other words the script was so badly composed that you could see the other movies they were pulling from yes yeah okay um, that's I'll, a valid point actually uh, I forgot one more other redeeming quality about Snow White and the Huntsman the fact that they get some uh, well known British actors to play the dwarves I thought was really cool that was really cool they had Bob Hoskins this is the last movie he's going to be in I know was Snow White and the Huntsman. I know. Uh, yeah. All right, so I'm just going to put this out there. Uh, mirror, mirror. I gritted my teeth the entire time. I forced myself to watch the entire movie. 50% is overly generous. That wow. Mo- I am so sorry that Army Hammer and uh, Julia Roberts had to go through that. And Nathan Lane looked like he was having a decent time with it. But, wow, I just... Super strongly dislike that movie. Uh, all right, so then to wrap up the conversation um, with a s- movie trivia, and then I'm good. When White House Down was announced after Noah Emmerich, uh, I'm sorry, not Noah, uh, Roland Emmerich uh, did, what was it, 2012? 
Um, when the project was announced, not one month goes by when, um, was it Film District wanted to do White House Down, or I'm sorry, uh, Olympus Has Fallen. And so what's ironic is that even though the project Olympus Has Fallen was announced after White House Down, Olympus Has Fallen came out first hmm. before White House Down. Now, because Sony has a huge hard-on for Roland Emmerich, I'm imagining that uh, Sony gave him more money and more time because there's going to be um, a decent amount of special effects, this being a Roland Emmerich film. Okay. So, okay. there it is. Awesome. It shall be remain to be seen. Yes. yes. This was a very interesting topic. This was an interesting topic, and I think I, I, think I like playing this game of looking at the pairs and which one was better. Yeah. Right. So that's fun. Let, let me make it a quick appeal to you guys um, before we start to close things up. Folks, we are a podcast that has been supported through our own hard-earned day job, Mola. And if you go to neuronomy.com, you'll find that there's a couple of things on there, aside from our awesome blog, yeah, our ways yeah. to email us and give us direct listener feedback. You will now notice a donate using PayPal button on the homepage. We would greatly appreciate it if you could spare any money you could, a dollar, a five dollar, five hundred dollars, uh, and help us support the podcast. The money would go directly to us being able to make Neuronomy continue to function, audio equipment, proper sound equipment to make sure that we sound nice and clear, advertising, and uh, some merchandise so that we can spread the word of nerd, as it were. So please, if you can, go to the website, make a small donation if you can, and we'd be more than appreciative. And if you guys can't donate, then please still go to our website and email us. Let us know what you think of the podcast, because any contribution you might have as to constructive criticism, things that you guys want to hear us talk about, things you want us to shut up about, whatever, please let us know. (laughs) We're all about it. Certainly. And you can find all of our ways of contacting us through there, including our social media contacts on Facebook and Twitter. Finally, please, if this is your first time listening to our podcast... You can subscribe to us on both the iTunes Store and on Stitcher Radio. And uh, with that, guys, thank you for being here, as usual. Kevin, good to have you back, sir. It's good to be back. That was my worst Elvis impression. I do apologize for that. It's okay. You're forgiven. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And tune in to us next time. Same nerd time. Same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. Bye. Peace. Later. And roll credits. And now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. It's not a tumor! (laughs) I like how you're going to laugh at the end of that. That's awesome.